There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. Welcome back, Southern California. Welcome back, Raider Nation all over the world. This is Silver and Black tonight, only here on the voice of SoCal Sports Talk. That, of course, the Mightier 1090. Scott Branson with you, along with my broadcast partner. He is the national senior reporter for Bleacher Report, covering the entire National Football League. His name is Mr. Maurice. We call him Mo Moten. Mo, here we are back. We had the long week. Raiders played on Turkey Day, had a great win against the Cowboys. Now it's time to turn their gaze on the Washington football team. It's, it's good to be able to get back on the show and talk about moving forward with this team. Uh, it's time. you got to turn the page. The Thanksgiving Day win doesn't matter anymore. It's all about this week. Absolutely. We went from the skies falling to playoffs. We got a <laughs> chance. <laughs> but no, uh, seriously, I think the Dallas Cowboys game really changed the mood of the fan base. I would say some of the fan base because a portion of the fan base is like, nope, you're not fooling me. I, I, I've saw this movie before and I'm not I'm not taking the cheese again. But I really think there's a such thing as momentum in sports. And when you get a win as you did against the Dallas Cowboys with so many people watching, I believe it was the most watched game since on a network since nineteen ninety. Uh, that's a momentum booster. I think the Raiders have some juice going into uh, going back home to face Washington. They do. And I mean, I think you know, we talked about it on the on the show since we did a show, obviously, last Friday, right after the win. And then on Sunday in Las Vegas, which you can catch uh, on 98.5 The Fan or 11.40 The Bet down in Las Vegas. But this long week, the Raiders have had time to prepare. They've had time to get healthy in some cases. We saw the latest injury report. We see a familiar name on there, and we'll talk about this guy later. Josh Jacobs now listed as a, a partial participant in practice the last few days due to an ankle issue, uh, which has been nagging on him as well. Uh, and then we also saw the the hero, one of the heroes of the game against the Cowboys. That is Deshaun Jackson did not practice uh, one day this week as well, so we're not really sure. We, 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 we know he should go. Uh, but, Mo, you got to be concerned with those two big offensive players going into what is a huge game at home for the Raiders against Washington. Yeah, I, I commented on Twitter today that Josh Jacobs, the, my issue with him is that he's always nicked up and hurt. Yeah. So this is not this is not new to me. You just hope that he's closer to 100% than, per se, 50%. You do have Kenyon Drake, who I guess we'll talk about later. But you talked about Deshaun Jackson, and he did talk to the media today. He said basically not a big issue. But, of course, you, you're on pins and needles when a guy doesn't practice and a guy who just turned 35 years old on Wednesday, you're kind of a little worried because he did say, you know, he's not used to playing that many plays as he did on Thanksgiving. So uh, his calf given him some issues, but they're just being precaution, uh, being safe about it and taking precautions. Yeah, and this time of the year, Mo, remember the, the long season, which is now a game longer, by the way, 17 weeks, uh, 18 weeks total, 17-week game schedule is going to tax teams a lot more than in the past. It always becomes an issue in November and December for teams. It's that war of attrition. You have to have more healthy guys than the other. The Washington team comes in nicked up as well, and they have some key guys that are out. Uh, but this Raiders team, as you mentioned, back in the thick of the playoff hunt, 
and and that's true, but that can last a week. It is a week by week league, Mo. And if they don't do and take care of business against a very very hot Washington football team, who we're going to talk to Matthew Paris uh, from the Washington Times after the break, we're going to talk to him about this team. Uh, Mo, this is not a game. I saw some Raider fans with that stuff about. I hope we're not taking this game lightly, which I know triggers you. Oh my gosh, you you <laughs> let me right into it. Uh, I I was waiting to get into this, and I it it it's mind boggling and it's maddening and it makes it literally makes me angry because <laughs> number one, I'm just gonna give you the five reasons really quick why this this, this makes no sense to call it a trap game. For one, the Raiders are six and five, Washington is five and six. Right, they're equals. Washington is actually in the playoff picture in the NFC. The Raiders are on the outside looking in. So how can you call anything a trap game? When you are not in the playoff picture, that's number one. And then number two, because of Washington being in the playoff picture in the NFC. Number three, there's a history between JDR, J- Jack Del Rio, and Derek Carr. You don't think there's some competitiveness there? They want to beat mm-hmm. each other. They want to one-up each other. There's got to be some history there. Even though Carr has, has developed into a better player since since Jack Del Rio has been with the Raiders and Jack Del Rio runs a different scheme, there's still a competitive nature there. They want to one-up each other. And Raiders fans have watched the last two seasons. Have you not watched how the last two seasons have gone? Have you lost to teams like the Falcons? <laughs> you know, like you you shouldn't be even thinking about track games. So and and again, last week we were thinking that the Raiders were on a full blown November nosedive, and now we're looking at trap games. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. The the sway from one side to another just makes zero zero sense. The roller coaster that is Raider Nation fandom. I mean, it goes it goes from one extreme to the other, just Gosh. like talking about the quarterback does. Uh, and we're going to reserve a conversation for that for another time. But we talked early on, and we mentioned, yeah, not a trap game, but an important game, being in the thick of the playoff hunt. One thing that you actually said this week online, Mo, that, that really resonated with me, and I think fans who are very even keeled, not the emotional wrecks who go one way or the other, depending on what week it is, but I, you know, the majority of Raider Nation. And that is, you can beat in the thick of the playoff hunt. And by the way, you had a huge, huge win on Thanksgiving. But Mo, that does not erase lingering issues or things that you have not fixed that you must get better at and fix before you become a playoff team, i.e., third down efficiency, i.e. red zone scoring. So Raider fans should feel good, and I'm not here to throw the wet blanket on the on the great week that was Thanksgiving. But what I am here to say, Mo, <laughs> is that if they don't fix those things, it doesn't matter if they get a big win here or there. You have to be able to score in the red zone, and you have to do better on third down. And even though they won against the Cowboys, they did not do better in those areas. Yeah, against the Cowboys, 3 of 13 on third down, 2 of 5 in the red zone. And those have been perpetual issues during their losing streak that those things didn't get totally fixed. We still saw some problems there. And when I was on Twitter, basically I said, a lot of people don't want to hear the negative after win. And this is why I don't get on Twitter too much after (laughs) wins, because I know me being kind of even killed, people don't want to hear the full story. And I get it. As fans, you want to enjoy the win. So I, I, I step aside and I let them enjoy that moment. But you can look at a game and look at the film and see there are still things to clean up. I think Rich Basaccia talked about that, not getting too high or getting getting too out the wins or getting too low out the losses. And I think the Raiders had to take that cue going into Washington. Yes, it was a big win, as you said, but still they have some issues that 
continue to linger and they have to fix if they want to make a playoff push. No question. And I think that injuries too become an issue, you know, that you saw better play out of the Raider offensive line against Dallas. But again, the defense, you know, I heard a lot of praise over the defense, especially since they did hold the Cowboys uh, when it came to the running game, which was something that this defense has not done much all year. So, okay, that's great. But you gave up 33 points. And if you give up 33 points, what does that mean? That means that all the pressure, once again, is on your offense to score 34. And, of course, in this case, they scored 36. But my point, Mo, that I, that I want to bring up with you is that that is great. This defense has gotten much better. But this defense is not the 85 Bears. It's not a top five or top ten unit. It's middle of the road. Sometimes it's a little bit below middle of the pack. Sometimes it's a little bit above middle of the pack. Uh, but they have got they got to do better against Washington. They got to do better against Kansas City in two weeks or in a week and a half, really, um, if they're going to make that push to the playoffs. And mind you, that defense gave up uh, over 100 yards to an offense uh, to two receivers, Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup. And the Cowboys didn't have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. So right. wide you're giving up 33. Yeah. Right. You're giving up all those yards to wide receivers three and four, and the Cowboys didn't even have their star pleasure. Your defense still gave up 33 points. Uh, that's a little worrisome. I still believe that the Raiders' pass rush will be the saving grace if the defense gets back on track. But as you said, you, you have to feel good about the win, but you have to look at it and say, well, we have to come back and do a lot better next week. No, there's no doubt about that. And and we're going to get into the game in the second segment today. Uh, where we'll have Matthew Paras from uh, the Washington Times. He'll join us and talk about that. Mo and I also give you our point of view on the Raiders versus the Washington football team. A game at home. Raider Nation needs to show up. Raider Nation needs to come out and really support that team. And I think I think they will. And I think the Raiders, they got to start building a winning tradition at home, Mo. They have not done well at home in Las Vegas. Yeah, I believe three and three at home. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just had two blowout losses on your turf. Uh, the Chiefs and the Bengals both uh, just nailing the Raiders in, in the midst of their of their November run. But they have to get back on the right track at home because they, they have some tough road games coming up at Kansas City, at Cleveland, at Indianapolis. So you got to take care of home first, of course. You do. And speaking of home, I mean, there's a guy sitting, think about this, in August or July, and we'll find out for sure in a second. And he decides, he's a Raiders fan. He lives in upstate New York. And he says, like, okay, I'm going to take a coin. I'm going to write down the Raiders' schedule. I'm going to flip a coin on every game and write down what result I get. So heads or tails, win-loss, and he'll explain to us in a minute. We're going to talk to Evan. We're only going to use his first name. He's not looking for fame and fortune. Uh, and so he doesn't. He, we're just going to call him by his first name. You can find him, and we'll link him up on Reddit as well, which is where he published this originally. Uh, but he, he put this list out, and he, he published it before the season began. I mean, it's legit. You can go back and see. Every game he predicted with his coin has been correct, Mo. 100% accuracy. It's amazing that this guy, this Raiders fan, flipping a coin has been able to do that. So we went on the hunt. Mo and I, we put on our fedoras. <laughs> we got out our magnifying glasses, and we started to sleuth to try to find this guy. And apparently other journalists can't use Reddit because they couldn't find him, but we did. Okay, now we are going to go somewhere in the state of New York. Uh, and we're going to talk to Evan. So this is the guy. Everyone's all hail the coin or trust the coin. This is the guy who in some time before the season, and we'll get the whole story, flipped a coin 
for every Raiders game and has been accurate on every single game. Evan, thanks for joining Mo and I here on uh, Silver and Black tonight. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a, I'm real excited to talk to you guys today. All right, so let's You're talk about this. You tell give us the background of this story. When yeah. you did this coin flip, we've all seen the picture that you posted on Reddit uh, mm-hmm. back before the season started, and of course, you've gotten some coverage of uh, of of this in some various online publications. Uh, tell us, take us back to when you did this coin flip, how you went about it, and why you did it, and then talk a little bit about your background as a Raiders fan. Yeah, so starting off, I guess. Uh, my background is a Raiders fan first, so I'm yeah, like you were saying, I'm from New York, and I've been I've kind of been a Raiders fan all all all, all of my life, pretty much. I mean, I gr- I grew up as, I grew up I'm um, following them as a child, and um, I guess this whole coin thing started. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I was it was during the preseason, and you would start to see these um you would start to see you would start to see um these different websites that would post their um like uh, preseason odds or for like every game during the regular season, and so I was starting to think about that. So I would think to myself okay, like, how could how could this season potentially go? Because if you think about it, and, like, fans of different teams, like, at the beginning of the year during the preseason, they always say, oh, my team could shock the world. We can make a run. We're going to do better than what everybody thinks. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, how could that feasibly happen? Like, what could feasibly happen this year? So what I did was I took a look at these at these odds that came out during the preseason game, during the preseason, and they showed them for every team for every game. And they would say, like, for the Raiders, they would be, favored by three against the Broncos or something like that. And then, and then they would be down by six against the Chiefs, for example. So I, so when I, and then I found another website, which was able to take those odds minus three, minus five or whatever, and convert that into percentages, like win percentages. Mm. So, and so, and then after that, well, what I, what I did found, found another website where you could take these percentages and then flip a coin based on what you want the percentages to be. So, for example, you could say if, for example, if a team was favored by three, that equates to about a 54% chance of winning. So you would say for one coin flip, you'd go, okay, heads has a 54% chance of happening. And then you flip it. And then if it's heads, then the favorite team wins. And then if it's tails, then it would be an upset. Mm. And so then, then that kept nice. going. And I did that for every team for every game. Awesome. So since you did that for every team, for every game, would you say, are the Raiders your most accurate prediction right now? Because I believe three weeks ago you said, or you had an interview with someone that said about 27 of the 32 teams, you've been really close. Are the Raiders your most accurate prediction so far? Well, so the Raiders are like, so the, the yeah, the Raiders are the only team where not only has the act, the record been accurate, every single game has been accurate as well. Wow. So, I mean, there are a few teams there are a few teams where I think for a couple of weeks ago, I did the calculation, like the coin had predicted the bills by week eight to be five and two or something like that. Right. And their record was by prediction five and two, but they had lost the two teams that they weren't predicted to lose to, but they, and they had won against two teams that they weren't, predi- that they weren't predicted to win against. So it evened out in terms of like predicting records. It was a pretty good prediction of that. But I mean, the, again, the Raiders were the only team that every single game has been right. And I think the the closest team, other than that, was the Lions, and I, and that was only true because I had had them losing every game because they were they weren't favored they weren't favored in any of their games. And I think, as a matter of fact, the first win by prediction 
was the Lions beating the Eagles, which didn't happen. But then the next week they tied the Steelers, so it was pretty close. Wow, that's amazing. So now, so Evan, do you is this something that is this new for you this year, or is this something in doing analytics and predictive stuff? Is this something you've done for a while? So this, so this specifically is something that I've done just this year, starting to think about it this year. So I mean, I have a little bit of a engineering and statistics background, so I've done a few things here and there, like with predictive analytics and for different sports teams. I remember when I was in college, one of the pro- one of the projects I did was writing some code that would try to that would try to or that would try to predict like which teams would get into the to the uh, uh, March Madness tournament. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, I've done like pet projects like that, and this was the first time for this specific project. It was the idea that popped into my head. Evan, not to get you in any trouble here on the, on the air, but have you financially tried to at least financially capitalize on these coin flips? <laughs> have you after you've seen the streak there's, of predictions there's, going, there's going in your favor? There's legalized sports betting in New Jersey. He can go down to we're, New Jersey. We're we're not trying to get any New Yorkers in trouble, Scott. But <laughs> yeah, just right. just curious, just curious. Right. So right. So I personally haven't done anything. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, you can go back and certainly maybe I would have now that I now that I know but um at, at least in my at least in my view like I've seen I've seen other people like since this coin thing has gotten a little bit of traction other people have reached out to me with um with some messages saying like oh thanks for I won $200 because of you or blah 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 and <laughs> so things like that I think there's one other person who posted on the subreddit after I did after the Cowboys game and he made like five grand or something like that wow which was I mean so he really he really went in there but I mean, things like that, I think, in my view, like, seeing other people, like, be thankful for something like this, like, that's also, that that's kind of good enough for me. And also another thing that people have done, not just for personal gain, but some of the money that they've won, they've actually donated to, to some charities. That's and awesome. that's another that's awesome. kind of mm-hmm. good aspect that's come out of this as well. So that's where, that's where, that's what I think about that. Now, that's great. Now, obviously, on Reddit, um, it gives you some anonymity, right? So you don't have to be out there and exposed but have you been inundated with interviews have a lot of people been able to find you uh, i use reddit all the time so it was easy mm-hmm. to, to for me just to message you but or has it not been as as busy as you thought it might be especially with this raider pick uh situation because it's just been all over the place that i've seen reddit has been the one place where i've been posting this so i think it's for people that have reached out to me they've reached out to me through that and i've done uh, this week in particular, I've done. This is my, I think, my third call this week that I've been talking to other people with. So mm-hmm. I've, I've had, I've had a few conversations with people, but I mean, it hasn't been. It's, it's not like I'm taking time off of work to go <laughs> talk to five different people during the day. Yeah. So. Well, it's it, it's amazing, and I know the Raider Nation has just climbed on board and just loves it, especially because you're predicting, in essence, that they would get into the playoffs. Uh, but mm-hmm. when you look at this as a Raiders fan, too, um, and you see how how accurate it's been so far, are you then excited and feeling like, well, geez, you know, this the the, the odds are in my favor now because I've gone so far against the regular odds uh, that 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 your team, the team that you like that you follow, uh, is going to make the playoffs if 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 this in does indeed stick true through the rest of the season yeah I mean as a fan it's it's fun to follow and I think to be honest I mean going back into the football aspect of things I mean this the season with all of the with the situations that have been happening it's been it has been easy and I think a lot of people can agree with that um but I think at least in my view like with regardless of whatever the predictions end up happening for after everything that's happened this season I think at least in my view, other people may think differently, but I think ten and seven with a wild card playoff berth would be a good reward at the end of the year after everything that's been going on. 
Yes, especially Evan and I had them going nine and eight. So that would, uh, mm. uh, I mean, excuse me, Mo and I would ha- had them at nine and eight. So that would certainly be good. But Evan, listen, man, we want to thank you and, and congratulate you on the fun you've had with this and, and how accurate we've been with it and for spending time with us here on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Wow. There you go. Evan, the coin guy, hail the coin, trust the coin, however you want to say it. Uh, Just an amazing streak. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. You are listening to The Silver and Black tonight. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 SoCal Sports Talk. Scott and Moe on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 AM. All right, it is Friday night. Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 as we get set for the Raiders versus the Washington football team on Sunday out at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And to talk Washington football team and the latest with this hot team coming in the winners of three in a row. We now turn to the Washington Times beat writer, Matthew Paris, who joins us. Matthew, thanks for being with us here to talk about Raiders versus Washington football. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, so talk about this three-game streak. The 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 Washington team uh, goes they, they they go into this three-game streak. Everybody had kind of given up on them. I mean, I, maybe not in the Washington area and amongst the fan base, the rabid fan base out there. But for most people in the NFL, uh, they look at this team and they say, "Okay, they're done." You see all the external things happening, which obviously have the Raider connection. We'll talk to you about that uh, at the end of the segment. But um, all that happens, and then suddenly. This team starts to get better. Suddenly, Taylor Heineke starts to lead this team on offense. Suddenly, even their depleted defense is playing better. Tell me a little bit about why this team is in the midst of this three-game winning streak and why they want to continue it on Sunday out in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Even locally, I think most people had given them up for dead. But, uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of last year. Washington went on that uh, four-game surge at, after the uh, bye, and you know that they really started to turn things around, and it, it uh, reached shades of that. I mean, 
Defensively, they're playing a, a lot better, even without Chase Young and Montez Sweat, their two top edge rushers. But, um, you know, they're they're doing really well right now. Heineke has really improved his accuracy. He's been off the charts for the last few weeks. I think he's only thrown 20 incompletions over the last three games. And, you know, he's been really decisive, made some great throws, needled them in there. And so, you know, uh, I think Heineke's improvement, the defense, and then uh, the run game, you know, they're, they're really establishing the run, just dominating time of possession. And so when you have all those things cooking together, you're, uh, that's a winning formula for most teams. And Washington has won three in a row because, because of it. So during Washington's three-game win streak, they're, they're allowing an average of about 18.3 points per game. And as you said, that's without Montez Sweat, mostly without Chase Young, who went out in the Tampa Buccaneers game. What's What sparked this defensive turnaround? Are there other players stepping up, or did Jack DeRio do something with the scheme or, or system to kind of yeah. spark something with that defense? I think it's a couple of things. Uh, I think one is you have to look at the secondary because it, it was a big mess earlier in the season, but things have kind of stabilized. I think if you look at kind of the changes Washington has made, uh, Danny Johnson, who has really been like a bottom-of-the-roster guy um, for the last couple of years on this team, he, he's now the, the starting uh, slot cornerback. And then that moved Kendall Fuller to outside. And Fuller played pretty well last year on the outside, and he's playing well again this year. Uh, so they made that change. Um, and then uh, looking at Washington deploys a lot of free safety looks, but they're having Landon Collins playing the safety linebacker hybrid role. And because of that, that's allowed Cam Curl to get more playing time. And Collins is playing really well closer to the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I, I think it's guys are starting to understand their roles a little bit more, especially those three safeties. They're really kind of on the same page now. And then uh, the secondary is a bit uh, improved as well because the defensive line, you know, Chase Young didn't really have a great season before he got hurt. But the interior of that line, Jonathan uh, Allen and Jerron Payne, they have really, they've been having really strong seasons. So, you know, the secondary needed to sort itself out more than anything. So staying with that defense, I just want to talk about one of my draft crushes. Jamin Davis came into the year with some defensive rookie of the year buzz. I believe DraftKings had him as second best odds behind Michael Parsons to win the award. I know he's had his ups and downs, but could you get some context of what he's doing well and where he's struggling? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, he, he has really been up and down. I think it, to begin the season, he, he was just, you know, typical rookie stuff not really diagnosing the plays super fast. Like in training camp, they had talked about him as being this three down linebacker, a guy who could really explode through the gap and read the defenses and that sort of thing. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, it was really kind of slow to come together. He wasn't really seeing the field all that much. Um, but now, you know, it, it is starting. You see the improved speed. He, he's making reads a lot better. I think he's a bit better in pass coverage. Um, than earlier in the season, you know, uh, you see tight ends kind of get uh, their leverage over them and running back to exploit them in coverage. But he's kind of holding his own there now. And um, he is a little bit more decisive. And he's still not playing great football, but I think it's passable. And, you know, I think that's encouraging for them to see.
Matthew Paris is a beat writer for the Washington Times covering the Washington football team. Let's switch to the offensive side, Matt, uh, and we look at what you called in one of your recent stories, which I loved, by the way, which was Ron Rivera's McCaffrey by committee. So referencing Christian McCaffrey in the running game, the, the, the Redskins have done an amazing job of using two running backs. It's something that the Raiders have been actually trying to do not as successfully, which is they have used uh, third rounder Antonio Gibson and, of course, J.D. McCaffrey. McKissick as the two backs and they're really bringing it for them and accomplishing exactly what they've wanted to do during this three game win streak. Uh, They are. And it'll be interesting to see if JD McKissick plays in Las Vegas. I don't think he will just because he hasn't practiced all week with the concussion, but you know, they've been able to to balance it out with, you know, Gibson is more the heavy volume guy. McKissick is just more of the change of pace, but he's been really effective at the run game. He had over a hundred targets last year. Uh, in the past game. So, you know, they, they really love to feature him. And both of them have big play kind of uh, ability. You know, J.D. McKissick can, you know, burn people on real routes. Um, Antonio Gibson can burst one off, or, you know, he's been effective here and there in the screen game. So it, it, they do have two nice weapons. They both have similar skill sets. Um, Rivera has compared them to Christian McCaffrey over and over again. And so, you know, it has been a little bit of effective, but I think if you're looking at Washington's run game in particular, you have to look at the offensive line because this is a group that has had a lot of injuries, a lot of turnover this year, kind of guys going in and out of the lineup. But they've been really stout up front, really strong, and they're, they're setting the tone for Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick to have big days. So I want to take a look at Tyler Heineke's top receiver, Terry McClellan. I think in a, in a 2019 redraft, I think he goes in the first round instead of the third. And we all see the box, the impressive box score numbers. But as someone who covers the team, what do you think makes him such a special talent on the perimeter? Yeah, you know, I think the thing that's been really impressive this year is his ability to haul in contested catches. That was a weakness for McLaurin coming out of uh, college. And he's really been able to haul him in this year. I think he has 23, which leads the league. Uh, and, you know, he's just a really, really smart receiver, really strong off the line, really fast. And so, uh, and apologies for the noise here behind me. Uh, he's just really been, uh, you know, really just their number one option. And it's really impressive considering all the, the constant quarterback turnover he's had the past few years. And to be able to be productive despite that, you know, I think he's one of the, the best receivers in the NFL. No doubt about it. Again, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times is our guest. Um, with Tyler Heineke, I just want to touch on one last thing with Heineke. Um, Is this just a feel-good story with him, or does he have a legitimate shot to be the starter going forward long-term for the Washington football team? You know, it's a mix of both. I don't – like, when we talk about long-term, I think at this point he's entered the conversation to to start next year. But I don't think his performance has precluded them from, one, looking at veteran upgrades this offseason. Like, if Aaron Rodgers is available, maybe making a play for him, or even drafting a a rookie – and having the rookie sit behind Taylor Heineke. But, you know, he's played really well right now. And the thing that Washington's coaches will point to is that, you know, even though Heineke is 28 years old, he still only had, I think this will be his 12th start on Sunday, uh, you know, maybe 13th, somewhere in there, including the playoffs. So he hasn't even had a full season's worth of starts yet. And so they've seen that improvement in him from week to week, and that that's very encouraging for uh, them to see. 
I want to ask you too about about Ron Rivera. You know, Ron Rivera has always been a well respected coach. He goes to Washington. He has his own issue. He beats cancer. Right, he comes back to this team. Uh, they struggle early this year, uh, and he'd been preaching. And you wrote about in many of your pieces earlier in the season about this idea of maturity and ha- and this team handling success and all of that. So then they face adversity, and and you wrote about how they've handled this kind of taken on this David versus Goliath mentality. How much has that played into? how this team has turned around. What has Ron Rivera done and how much of this do you think is because of his persona, because of him and his staff? Yeah, I think a lot of it is. I mean, even dating back to last season, you know, Rivera's cancer battle, cancer battle was really inspiring for the group of guys, you know, showed them that, all right, if he can gut through chemo treatment and and come to practice and we can play hard for him, there's no reason not to. And and so they've kind of continued that this season. And, you know, I, I think, uh, Rivera, Rivera called uh, beating Tampa Bay a foundational win for them, comparing it last year's win uh, over Pittsburgh. And, you know, I, I think that win in particular shows Washington, hey, if we get beat, the, if we beat the, the Super Bowl defending champs, then we can compete with anyone here. And so, you know, I, I think it's really been kind of an inspirational win for them, and they're really feeding off the dinner season. Yeah, no, that's it's it's an amazing story. Now I have to close with, of course, the bigger issue for Washington, which has been this NFL investigation. Of course, the Raiders now have a connection there with the John Gruden situation, and now he's got a lawsuit against the NFL about this. But when you look at this overall, it seems like the NFL is somewhat downplaying it. But then, of course, everyone outside of Washington uh, wants you know wants ahead, if you will. Uh, but the, the 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 Dan Snyder, the owner of the the Washington uh, football team and everyone else seems to be chugging it forward kind of what's the latest on that what are you hearing what do you expect to be the final outcome of all of this uh because it doesn't seem like we have any kind of direction on where it's going no and the, the direction is still very much up in the air right now it honestly really depends on what comes out of this congress investigation um the house the the over the house oversight committee has gotten involved and they've asked the nfl to hand over all documents related to the NFL investigation and the, the NFL said that they would comply, but they're kind of going back and forth right now with what documents are privileged, what's not and that sort of thing. But, you know, if there are public hearings related to how this investigation unfolded or, you know, what was uh, uncovered in this investigation, because that's the thing, right? Is, you know, former Washington employees, they've been urging the NFL to release a, a full comprehensive written report kind of what we've seen the NFL do in the past, but also, you know, if you look at the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks and what they have with mm. their scandal, uh, something similar to that, that would release the full findings of the investigation because um, the NFL in July only gave a, a partial summary. And I, I know he's playing it up as a blockbuster because he's trying to sell a book, but RG3, his, his allegations this week and that his book is going to have um, a lot of bombshells in it around sexual harassment about, of course, the medical issue, which is, is, is personal to him, and he's even entitled the book Surviving Washington. What do your sources with the team and folks around think about that situation and the book and what it's going to say? Yeah, you know, locally it's, it's interesting because, you know, Griffin was is a very polarizing figure here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are some mm-hmm. people who are uh, really big fans of his, but others, you know, uh, he wore out his welcome in that building pretty fast. And so, you know, we'll see what he has to say. Like, 
I think he's even received some pushback locally of, you know, if you witness sexual harassment, then why didn't you say anything mm. sooner or why are you doing it to, to promote a book? And so, you know, he'll have to answer those questions in due time. But for now, it's kind of business as normal because the thing, too, is this book doesn't come out until I think August 2022. And so, you know, that that's almost <laughs> 10 months from now or whatever it is. So we'll just kind of have to follow along and see, see what there is. All right. There but it you- never ends. Yeah, there's, there's, I know it would be great to just to talk about football, wouldn't it? We, we, we've had our, we've had our little taste of that uh, this year, Matthew, as well. But Matthew Paris uh, from the Washington Times covers the Washington football team. A great follow on Twitter uh, at Matthew underscore P-A-R-A-S, a DePaul alumni. I'm a Chicago native. So uh, I was actually alive when the Blue Demons were good in basketball, my friend. So we can, we can talk about that another time. But Matthew, thank you so much for being generous with your time tonight. All right. We say goodbye to Matthew Paris and my co-host Mo Moten will be back with us next week. But here we go, uh, Raider Nation. Listen, it is time for this team to step up. It is time for them on Sunday to beat the Washington football team. And I think that you look at everything that has happened with this team, everything that has gone on this season. uh, The Raiders have an opportunity, I think, for themselves and for their fans to really do something special. Because when you have challenges, challenges that seem almost insurmountable, to go on and win, to overcome all of the challenges off the field that they've faced, all the challenges on the field, whether it's injuries, whether it's the past three-game losing streak, whether it's the history of late-season collapses under John Gruden the last three years, you can get rid of all of that. It can all be gone. And we heard from Matthew Parrish just a few moments ago, Washington's on a hot streak. This is the kind of team you want to play because you went down to Dallas on Thanksgiving and you won a big game in overtime. Yeah, sure, there were things the Raiders need to get better at. Sure, there was stuff that still didn't look great. Sure, third down efficiency stinks. And yes, you still can't score effectively in the red zone. But that's okay. Because what you need to do is you need to persevere. You need to pull through it. Derek Carr talks about it all the time, right? So you need to be able to do it. And as my partner Mo said earlier, there is no gimme games in the NFL. Raider fans saying this is a trap game. It's not a trap game when you haven't made the playoffs since 2016, my friends. It's not a trap game when you're just one, one game after losing three. No, the Raiders need to push string together. They need leadership. They have leadership with Derek Carr. Derek Carr's been a good leader on the field, off the field, as has Rich Bisaccia in many ways. But I'm going to play you some audio from Deshaun Jackson on Thursday, yesterday, where he talked about why he performs. Deshaun Jackson has absolutely killed the Washington football team on the field. Now, remember, he played for the Eagles in his career, so they were in the same divisions, a huge rivalry, right? But I wanted you to hear what Deshaun Jackson says about that, and then we'll come back and talk about it, why it's so significant. I mean, early on, I mean, my first few years in Philadelphia, obviously, they was a rival. And, uh, you know, every time I got a chance to, to play them, you know, I'm I, I just excited for any moments. Man, anytime I'm able to get on the field and play, I, I just look forward to, you know, just doing some great things for my team. So That was Deshaun Jackson talking about his success 
against the Washington football team over the course of his career. Numbers are amazing. But the reason I played that clip was not just because of that question and answering, but I wanted to point out why Deshaun Jackson was such a great signing by Mike Mayock for this team and why he matters, matters so much for this Raiders team to get to the playoffs, to get to the next step and make some noise in the AFC. And that is veteran leadership. Now, the Raiders losing Henry Ruggs, they lost that speed, right? So Deshaun Jackson, who just turned 35 this week, fellow Sagittarian, by the way, yes, he's 35. He's not 23. He's on the downside of the career, but he still has that burst of speed. He still can take the top off the defense. We saw it against the Cowboys. But that talent mixed with the veteran leadership. This was a very young wide receiver core. When Zay Jones is your your longest tenured veteran, that's not a very, very uh, uh, experienced group, right? So you add Deshaun Jackson to that, along with Derek Carr, Darren Waller. And this is why Deshaun Jackson matters so much. I know we talked with Mo earlier about Kenyon Drake being the X factor in Sunday's game against Washington. But I cannot begin to underscore the importance of Deshaun Jackson. And in that clip, you heard the maturity just pouring out of him. And that he wants to go out and win football games. Okay? You're 35 years old. You know you don't have 10 years left to to play. Okay? So Deshaun Jackson, that leadership in that wide receiver room, on that offense, that's the kind of thing the Raiders need. That's why I'm buoyed by his presence and and this and this this game this past week against the Cowboys. Sure there were plenty of ugly things that happened too, but they had extra time to work on it this week, right? But I just wanted to play with that Deshaun Jackson, this experience, that is what you need. You need guys like that to step up, get these young talented players to understand it, keep them together, keep them focused of the task at hand and the task at hand is not winning Pro Bowl honors, it's not winning statistical races. It's getting into the playoffs for Raider Nation, the best fans in all of football. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. We'll be back with you next week. Raiders, Washington football team. We'll have a recap of that one. Look ahead to the Chiefs. Yep, the Chiefs next week against the Raiders. Huge, huge game. And we'll be here to tell you about Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. That is Silver and Black tonight. I am Scott Branson. Thanks to my partner, Mo Moten. Thanks to all of you. We'll talk to you next week, Raider Nation. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM. SoCal Sports Talk.